0: whatever that thing is, it's like, you've got a house, you've got everything, you've got it all going, but there's something that could be better. But the thing is about these things that could be better is sometimes they are better. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they are a big disappointment. Sometimes they're a drag on your life energy, but because you've come to identify acquisition of things, experiences, um, you know, recognitions and credit, because you've come to identify an increase in those to an increase in satisfaction. You know, we're going up the satisfaction on the fulfillment curve. We get in the habit of acquisition as a route to happiness. This is Meredith For
1: Real, The Curious Introvert, and I'm Meredith. I explore the questions people think but don't ask out loud, either because they're taboo or thanks to cultural hypnosis. My mission, and yours if you choose to accept it, is to inspire curiosity by exploring the nuance and paradox of our world. Each episode is different, so bring your ADD and your earbuds and have a look around. Hey, Curiositors, it's me, Meredith. I don't know if you've ever heard of the FIRE movement, but I've been circling around it for about a year. It's a community of people who invest at least half of their total income in order to retire early. And this week's guest is considered the mother of the movement. What I liked most about her was her inclination to ask big questions rather than just giving small tips. She didn't just talk about the idea of how we spend, but how we live. We talk life energy, the fulfillment curve, and calculating your real hourly wage. I've been trying to get a leader from the FIRE movement on the show for over a year, so I'm so grateful that she agreed. If you're wondering where I find guests like these, I get asked that a lot, and the source is so different for each guest. So I started putting the source of each guest in my Monday email along with the regular info about the new episode. On Saturday, I also send out a Cliff Notes and Clickable Links email in case what you heard was so good you wished you could have taken notes. This Saturday, for example, will include a link to calculate your real hourly wage and questions to help you reframe the rat race. If you're not getting those and you want to be included, you can text REAL to 66866 if you're in the U.S. or go to com if you're elsewhere. If you're already getting my emails, you're probably one of my amazing loyal listeners. Thank you so much for that. And if you're new here, welcome. Around here, we press play to get curious, disrupt the algorithm, and to grow into better humans. I talk with everyone from con artists to counselors. There's no specific order to listen to episodes. And if you end up liking this episode, you'll also like the one with the young mom doing a no-spend year in order to retire early. That's episode 88. All right, enjoy the show. Have you ever heard of the FIRE movement? It represents this unusual group of people who retire early, really early, before 50 and some in their 30s even. FIRE stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. And while there are plenty of online resources explaining how, is anyone asking why? Why question the normal path of life? You know, the American dream. Well, since the pandemic, a large percentage of people have reimagined normal and recalibrated their lives, myself included. And that's exactly what my next guest did, but way before anyone was vlogging van life and doing debt free screams. She's considered the mother of the fire movement and has appeared on hundreds of shows, including Oprah and Good Morning America. She's the co author of the international bestseller, Your Money or Your Life, transforming your relationship with money and achieving financial independence. She's also the host of a podcast called What Could Possibly Go Right. And today we're going to step outside the how to's and investigate the how comes the heart side of the balance sheet that explores the question financially free to do what? Local food fanatic, social change agent, chronically curious.
0: Vicki Robin. Thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> Thank you. That was a great introduction. I've never had that one before. I would want to meet that woman, you know. <laughs> Nailed it. I'm so glad. We well, you know a lot of people don't talk
1: about um, money outside of the math or outside of behavior. And so when I first heard you start to talk about that on, you know, somebody else's podcast, uh I was very intrigued because without the heart of it, I mean, it's just I don't know it's a little empty, you know what I mean?
0: Oh, I do know what you mean, yeah, and uh, that's what I encountered. Well, let me go back. Uh, I started living this in 1969, um, that was ancient history, and when I met uh, the person who became my co author, Joe Dominguez, who explained to me what he had done in the 1960s to retire early because he looked ahead at people who were successful and he realized he didn't want to be there and i think this is this isn't just unique to joe i think a lot of people get in their 20s and they start down the path and they realize mm, nope <laughs> back out and this, there's got to be another one even though it's not very evident so that's what Joe did and he the financial the plan that he developed was simply saving money and investing it securely and so it 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 evolved to minimalizing his life lifestyle so I met him and I took the money that I had earned to date through <laughs> my young life and I invested it and uh in a way he suggested which was in long term, Uh, treasury bonds, which at that moment were had a very high percentage on them. And uh, in order to live a life that where I was the sovereign of my own mind and time, I did not want to sell my intellect, my curiosity, my creativity, I didn't want to sell it to somebody. I didn't want to, you know, and I wasn't really a big rebel. I just knew that I I would rather, if possible, uh, have dominion over my own mind and thoughts and my experiences. And I would ma- want to make of life what I could make of it, whatever that was. And that involved a lot of different things that I that I did not learned along the way. Sometimes people are impressed that I lived on $100 a month for six years of my life. Because I wanted to be free, you know. I, I used to say I buy my freedom with my frugality every day, and I learned to hunt, butcher, garden, can, dry, preserve, you know, survive several winters in Wisconsin. I learned all those things. I learned, um, I learned to rebuild. A, engine in my car. I learned to build a motorcycle from a box. I mean, I was just like passionate. I want to learn how to live on this earth because I was taught how to live in the consumer society and I didn't want to, but so how do you do something else? So I have lost even the track. What was your question?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I told you it would just flow from you and it has. I love it. Well, I don't think I really had a question. I was just kind of making an observation of, um, you know why of why. what we're taught yeah and the why and what you're exactly. talking about is quality of life and i certainly value freedom to that extent i know it's not everyone's top drivers but i think i heard you say once that money is your life energy
0: or something right. to that uh can you we explain trade, that yes that is actually the key transformational element of your money or your life. You know, there's it's just chock a block with really great ideas and wisdom, et cetera. But what really does it for people is um we suggest that they calculate what we call the real hourly wage. In other words, you think you're trading an hour of your life for $25, let's say. But when you take into account taxes, car fare, daycare, um office, you know clothes. I mean, right now, after the pandemic, nobody needs anything but a nice top and pajama pants. But you know, I mean, the back of my hair
1: isn't even fixed. I mean, it's just (laughs) the front.
0: (laughs) But I mean, you know, there are a lot of costs associated with your job. There's the the time you invest in watching YouTube videos, so you know how to do things. I mean, that's the world we live in today. You know, I mean, a lot of people, as you say, a lot of people Um, recalibrated their lives during the pandemic, because they had to figure out how to make money without uh, leaving the house. And so there's been a lot of people learning, etc, trying to figure out a way to make money in a way that they can stay home. Anyway, but this real hourly wage, whatever it is now, probably the time it takes to educate yourself in order to to code or in order to design websites, you know, whatever it takes, you invest a lot of time in building the business in your mind and having your business plan. And that also ha- always has to go into your calculation of the exchange of time for money. You know, you could sort of like start your business and you get, you know, in your first week, you get 10 sales and you got a hundred dollars. You think you've you know, wow, so I make $100 a week, but not really, because it's how many, how many months did it take you to get there? So at the end of the year, you think, oh, I've made, you know, $50,000, for example. And so that's not $50,000 for one year, that's $50,000 for five years, it took you to get there. So it's just telling the truth about the amount of your life energy, the amount of your time, attention, care, intelligence, everything that goes into earning X per hour.
1: And that's not to discourage people like, oh, you're, you know, you're less important than you are. It's to uh, change their
0: spending outlook, right? It's not. Okay. So it's a little bit different from that. Um, It's really the, the whole course, the whole thing is, is based on telling yourself the truth about things, not in a judgmental way. You know, our mantra in the book is no shame, no blame. We're going to like step out of the mindset you were entrained into by our society, by your parents, by everybody who wished you well and hoped you would survive this birth to death journey. You know, we're going to step outside of it and we're going to say, does this work for me? Who am I? You know, what am I up to? And is this activity aligned with my best guess about who I am? So when we're doing this life energy calculation, it's not like don't waste your time or don't start a new business. Just go and work on Wall Street and get your boodle and <laughs> get out. It's about telling the truth about how much you're exchanging an hour of your life for, realizing that your life hours are limited. Your desires are can multiply, your fantasies can multiply, but you have a limited amount of time. How do I want to spend my one wild and precious life? That's really the question. So you start to see, okay, I've, let's use a traditional job, so we can, we're not out there in la la entrepreneur land, but let's say you're receiving from some boss somewhere $25 an hour for your labor. So then you have to calculate the extra expenses, the education, et cetera, and, 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 you know, the transportation, all of the expenses associated with you having this job. And then you have to calculate the extra hours, whether it's education or recovery at the end of the day. You just take a look at like, am I really trading an hour of my life for $25 or have I really invested so much time and money in this getting to this hour that I'm really trading my life energy for $5 an hour? Mm. Honestly, you know, after after everything and, you know, what is your disposable, what is your disposable income? And so when you take a look at that, then you translate, then you go over and you go and you buy the makeup or, you know, the shampoo or whatever. And instead of just saying, you know, this, this shampoo or that one, or which one is cheaper, you just say, okay, I'm investing an hour of my life or however much of my life in this shampoo. Is it worth it? I mean, I'm investing an hour. I'm investing 20 hours of my life in this cool pair of boots. Am I going to be happily spend another 20 hours of my life paying off the boots? Hmm. You know, if so, yeah, great boots, perfect boots. And so we say, ask the question of your purchases, you know, not obsessively like, oh, I'm going to buy a little pack of chewing gum. (laughs) But, you know, like at the end of the month, you just tally it all up and you say, okay, so I spent 50 hours of my life on clothes, you know, whatever. And then you say, is it aligned? with my purpose in life, you know, am I going forward in the direction I want to go by doing this? And also, is it making me happy really? Or is it just sort of like a passing satisfaction of a fantasy that goes quickly from the joy of you know carrying it out of the store to the burden of getting it out of your trunk and into the house and, and sort it out. So that's the idea of money is life energy. It is a way to actually honor yourself your life energy, the value of your life. And you only want to have things in your life that serve you. That's your enough point. You only want to have enough to empower yourself to create, give, do, experience, uh, correct the things that you say are important. You know, for me, I'll just say, for me, you know, I am... I think I should have been trained as a social worker because I'm always thinking about the collective, you know, so I have had, you know, after I did a lot of learning and living in the woods and things like that, I really devoted myself to, you know, how are we as a society? How are we as humanity? How are we as nature? And if we're not doing that great, what can I do in this whole mix of things that would make things a little bit better? I spend my life on that. That is my self-assigned job. That's how I spend my one wild and precious life.
1: Well, that's what you meant in by your money is in service to your values. And that's why I love this so much because when I think about financial strategy it's, I I mean, it feels like a game. It feels like, oh God, like, do you know, I I don't know how you felt about group projects in school, but I hated them. And it was like, (laughs) God, I just got roped into this game. I don't want to play with people I don't like, you know? Um, And that's how I feel about money strategy. It's like, this is bullshit. Like, I don't want to do this. But what you're talking about is not even opposite. It's just like a total different plane. Cause you're talking about giving intention to how you want to spin your moments on earth. And then, I mean, kind of reverse engineering it from there. Okay. Now you're in this moment on earth right now, what's your next move? And it, so it really, I don't know. I think it paints a deeper picture. It, it opens up a lot more thoughtfulness about how we live and how we live with each other compared to a race. And you know, I th- mm-hmm. does that make sense?
0: It does. And um another piece of the teaching in your money your life um is that you need enough money to live in this society. You know, we're not just going to all like put on sackcloth and you know <laughs> right (laughs) go out around with begging bowl we we actually how much do we need materially that we need to extract from the consumer economy consumer capitalism if you will what do we need i mean we need a phone okay you know you get you have a you evaluate the phone is it going to serve my needs not the bells and whistles and you know the storage but do what do i need in order to be the person I wanted to be want to be. It's not minimalism, it's not eco consumption, although that would be you know one of my values. It really is just what's the bundle of things that I need in order to go forth in the world and do what I want to do. And so you go into the money economy. Not with your identity longing to be, you know, to belong, but you go in with your sovereign self saying, I want to maximize my income without compromising my health or integrity. I want to just, I want to get some money. The purpose of making money is ma- money. It's, and, but see, the thing is, is that's the other confusion is we can, we confuse our identities
1: mm-hmm.
0: with our jobs very reasonable because that's how everybody else confuses us. <laughs> you know, everybody else assesses us by what we do, how much money we're making, what clothes we're wearing, you know, whatever, you know, people are always trying to pigeonhole us.
1: Do you think that's changing something. though? Because I've noticed, you know, it might be, <laughs> it might be because I mean, your, your original version of your book came out in the early nineties. So I'm sure you've observed some differences since then. I've just observed some differences in the last, I'll say 10 years where definitely since the gig economy started, I feel like that kind of changed people's response to, so what do you do? You know, the dreaded question at networking events. And instead of going, I'm a finance consultant. They would pick the thing that they do that best represents what they're passionate about, not necessarily the thing that pays their mortgage. So I kind of wonder if there's a shift. Have you observed anything? I think so.
0: Oh, totally. What I have noticed. Yeah, I am formed in another time. By the way, I'm (laughs) 77. I was born in 1945. I grew up in the 1950s. So, yeah, a very different time, you know, and so the. The, the oatmeal of unconsciousness that I've been swimming out of is not what people are swimming in now. Um, and I do notice that. I mean, I notice when people put up websites, they they might tell you the, the, their skills and they're not telling you their skills in terms of like which programs they could use. They're telling you, I love to write great copy to make my clients shine, you know? And that's part of, and I also love, pickleball (laughs) 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 you know people are are actually coming out from behind the screen of their roles and i mean they're somewhat quantifying themselves it's it's all sales pitches you know for like yeah a lot of a lot of social media is just curated sales pitch for i'm i'm a cool person like me (laughs) (laughs) it's manufactured reality yeah so we're not we're not quite out of it in terms of the basic you know primate psychology of, you know, hierarchy, you know, dominance and sex, you know, I mean, we're still, <laughs> yeah, we still got that back there functioning. And the other thing that I would say is that increasingly, increasingly we are in a society that, um, is hostile to our sovereignty. Um, Maybe let me let me try that again, because I don't think that's quite it. Um, the time for self-reflection, the time for getting beneath the self-presentation, the curation of self, getting beneath that and and asking yourself that question. I think it's less because we're so entrained in this social media world. Mm-hmm so you know because the one of the ways that humans know where we are is it in comparison with someone or something else yeah i'm behind the tree i'm in front of the tree i'm you know she's ahead of me in a career behind me you know we are that's 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 sort of like part of our gyroscope where are we and so we're constantly comparing ourselves with others And if we're not, maybe you're an incel or maybe you're, you know, I mean, you know, if, you know, if you're, if you're not, you know, then, then there's, you know, you usually end up being quite isolated and, 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 and um, antisocial, if you will. So I think that is a challenge now that, that wasn't as intense for us because we didn't have so many inputs and you could say, okay, this is society. And then this is what I want to do. I'm going to be different. Now you're just in a web of like, like, you know, like a, a menu. Like which, which Barbie or Ken am I going to be? <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: Curiositors! Just a quick pause to show gratitude to our sponsors and give you some special deals. If trash TV leaves you feeling drained, and you want to support creators like yours truly, check out StreamoCo. You can search shows by your mood and even, you know, watch my show, The Curious Introvert. For every 3 dollars subscription, they give away a dollar for good and support their creators, like your girl. Find my affiliate link in the episode description or the bio link in my Instagram account, StreamMoco, the streaming network that gives a damn. If you've got backyard barbecue plans for 2022, but mosquitoes are not invited, I recommend Insec. I've been using their pest control service for several years now. They have a certified mosquito identification specialist on staff, and pollinator care is always top of mind. If you live in the Florida Panhandle or the Gulf Coast of Alabama, give them a call, ensec.net. The UWF Historic Trust. We shoot the show at the Pensacola Museum of History. It not only houses exhibits of lesser-known Pensacola history, it's an event space, too. So if you need a unique space in downtown Pensacola for a fundraiser, networking event, or a corporate party, take a look at historicpensacola.org. And if you want to tour one of the 12 museums, get your tickets in person so you can show the agent one of my emails and get $2 off an adult ticket. Get emails by texting REAL to 66866. Now back to the show. You know, that's interesting. You've talked about in um, some of your literature about the fulfillment curve. Do you think social media has changed the way that works? And definitely, can you explain what the
0: fulfillment curve is? Oh, good. Okay. You're you're leading me down the lovely path <laughs> <laughs> of, of talking about the teachings in the book. Yeah. So the fulfillment curve is just a heuristic device. It's just a way to picture something that goes on for us. And basically it um it's an answer to it. it tries to answer the question, how much is enough of anything? And how do I know? And I think even, you know, just like a personal thing now, it's like here I am 77 and I'm looking back on my life and I can tell that there's a part of myself that ha- is evaluating how much achievement is enough, how much, you know, was my life. Cause I'm not going to, I don't, I, I don't have much space ahead to correct for anything, you know? So I'm just sort of like, okay, here I am in the mountaintop of my life, you know, I feel pretty good about it, but I can tell that there's the judging mind in there, right. you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda, da, 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 You know? so. This fulfillment curve is helping people at the level of money and stuff. Think about how much do I, you know, am I satisfied with my bundle? You know, now it's my bundle of experiences and my bundle of contributions and, you know, wisdom and whatever. But, you know, with your money and stuff is like, how much money and stuff do I need in order to express myself fully? the way I want to express myself in this world, however that is, you know, academics, art, gaming, you know, whatever it is, whatever you want to do. And so what we say is there's a vertical axis that is satisfaction. You know, it's a chart. Kinky. Vertical axis is satisfaction. Horizontal axis is money spes- spent or stuff acquired. And so it just says there's a, there's a, Sort of a progress through your life where there's some things you acquire that are basic survival, you know, like roof over your head, enough food in your belly, out of the rain, not too hot, not too cold. And then there's things that that enable you to function in the society, you know, that 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 really in- increase your capacity, like education, like maybe a, uh, you know, maybe. I don't know about buying or renting, but just having a more secure place to live, you know, um, learning skills, developing experiences, you know, like building your networks, da, 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 da. you know, whatever that is, that part of life um, in Hinduism, they might call it the householder part of life, you know, that part of life where you're establishing yourself in the world. Um, and so those things you acquire to fulfill those consciously are important. And then there's things like the luxuries of life, the things you don't really need, but when you get them, they're like, ah, I love that. You know, so I don't know, maybe it'd be, you know, you've always wanted a whatever it is, you know, a Tesla, (laughs) whatever that thing is, you know, or, um, you know, you want to move and live in rural Vermont or, you know, whatever that thing is, it's like, you've got a house, you've got everything, you've got it all going, but there's something that could be better. But the thing is about these things that could be better, sometimes they are better. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they are a big disappointment. Sometimes they're a drag on your life energy. But because you've come to identify acquisition of things, experiences, um, you know, recognitions and credit, because you've come to identify an increase in those to an increase in satisfaction. You know, we're going up the satisfaction and the fulfillment curve. We get in the habit of acquisition as a route to, to happiness. Are you tracking this now? I am tracking that.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like, um, I think you've like the joy to stuff ratio.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. As we say in your money, your life, having a high joy to stuff ratio. So there's a point at which there's sort of an inflection point, you know, you've gotten happiness, happiness, happiness from money and stuff, money and stuff, because you built your life, you built a foundation for your life, but then you're habituated to acquisition. And so when you're dissatisfied, you think, oh, maybe it's a different car or maybe it's a larger house or Maybe it's a graduate degree. Maybe I'll get my master's. Maybe I'll get my PhD. You know, it's like, or like, oh, that's not working. Maybe I'll go into therapy. You know, (laughs) you know, whatever. Maybe I'll get therapy.
1: Yeah, there's
0: (laughs) all. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's a constant. Then you get into what they call in Buddhism the hungry ghost.
1: Yeah. You get
0: into the endless attempt, sort of like the end state. Of consumerism is just a big mouth and no stomach. You know, it's just like you just keep shoveling it in and there's no capacity for satisfaction.
1: And everything in our society supports that, that habit, as you said, the habituation towards acquisition. Have you observed anything that successfully undoes the consumerism mindset?
0: Absolutely. Self-reflection. That's what, that's what we're trying to induce through the program in your money, your life is, is those points of self-reflection. You know, it's like, I used to try to explain the program as, you know, a, um, a whole systems approach to the flow of money and stuff through your life guided by feedback mechanisms based in both self-interest and higher values So basically, number one, we set up a process of observation. What am I actually doing? What am I, in this case for consumerism, what am I buying? And then you say is the, you have this self-reflection. Is the money I'm spending buying me a life I love? And introducing self-reflection actually is the point, that's the feedback mechanism, that's the governor, if you will, on the system, that's the mechanism in the system that actually adjusts your behavior according to your true satisfaction, whereas the system that we're working in is more better and different stuff. And so the feedback mechanism is, I have enough, oh, but now I don't. Oh, I need more. You know, I have a phone, but I need a better one. I have a car, but I need a better one. I have an education. I need a better one. I have a husband. I need a better one. (laughs) It's just like, you know, it's that's we're in a system that has no governor that is based in our true satisfaction. So I think that capacity for self-reflection. Whether you do it through, you know, like a monthly accounting and you look at how much you spent on your clothes and you say, wow, that was not worth 50 hours of my life. And then you go back into spending, not with anything normative, like I will only spend $200 on my clothes. You just like you're standing there in front of a cool blouse and you say, ah, that's going to be 15 hours of my life. I don't think it's worth it. It's cute. (laughs) And so the power, your power as a consumer is what you can say no to. Not no to all the time, but it's this is all tools for consciousness, for actually consciously directing your life energy towards goals that you yourself say are important.
1: And this is why
0: you this
1: is this what you mean when you talk about growing yourself spiritually in relationship to your money journey? Because this sounds all very not money-ish, um, but does come across to me at least as very
0: uh yeah spiritual well what is spiritual you know it's um it is that self-reflection it is stepping outside of the normal stream of things and and re-choosing and so it is just applying tools of consciousness to money And the byproduct of which is people, by and large, will save, will spend about 20 to 25% less. That's, you know, our old data from, you know, whatever, 40 years ago. I don't have data on that now. I'm not really interested in getting data on it. But uh, our old data was that people, on average, if they did this approach, they um, ended up in six months Spending about 20 to 25% less. Many people couldn't even remember what they used to spend money on. Or if they can remember, they think I'm better off. So basically, it's to break the thrall of the consumer culture. Financial independence for me is 90% in consciousness, it's not in the amount of it's not in the fat fire, skinny fire and do whatever barista fire, what well, all the, Bar- all these things. Did you
1: say barista fire?
0: <laughs> yeah. Barista fire <laughs> oh, is the idea that you can have enough money to, to like, you know, only work part time. Oh, okay. See, I'm, I'm not in like, in Don't all worry. Of that. Don't so. worry. Let's not even talk about okay, it. I'm we won't even talk about it. it, but I, th- I love yeah, your yeah. point. No, it's just, it's, it's, and so, I mean, I think, I think it's a big challenge to Create a foundation, a financial foundation for yourself in life, whether it's good habits, whether it's savings, whether it's some investments, whether it's skills that you can sell for money. These are all like foundational foundation blocks, but that's not the purpose of life. But our consumer culture really has no interest in you um, asking what other purpose there might be because you there's no interest in stepping in you stepping outside of that stream cuz basically we keep the engine running i will tell you a story because i care to in my community i live on a little island and and we have a backbone road then along that backbone there's a, there's there's a south part of the island north part along that backbone there's about four shopping plazas you know and then people come in from the hinterlands and and shop there during the pandemic, one of the shopping plazas, you know, some businesses closed, you know, because businesses failed. And in that weakened state, a an out-of-state um, corporation that is professional in self-storage bought our shopping plaza. Nobody was paying any attention. And now they are raising the rents and the maintenance fees and the stores are having to grapple with the fact that it's costing them more to stay open. And they're empty storefronts and they've they've claimed the right to turn it all into self-storage. Now, can you imagine in a small island, you know, in an island, a big island, but a small, you know, small community, that one of one, two, three, four shopping plazas would be removed from the common good and put into storage. Why? Because they're they're within their rights because there's not enough self-storage in this island and there's tons of it. So this is such a commentary. I, you know, it's like the the thing you can't do in America. (laughs) And I I think, you know, my knowledge may be a little bit old, but maybe not. You know, you cannot get between people and their right to their stuff. Mm. It's right to consume and keeping the economy going. Uh, You know, it's my right. You know, I'm an American telling people to 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 like empty their self storage is almost like telling people somebody to like you know would you just you know slit your gut open and let your you know it's like yeah. it's like and we're not even enjoying it you know the the sin is not materialism per se it's not the acquisition it's the failure to enjoy what you have that is poverty so it's just it's we live I just want to say finally because I know we have to stop we live in such a screwy world and you know if you feel strange like a stranger in a strange land in this world it's because it's a strange land it's not you <laughs> right you know so your 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 first step your first step is is sort of like off the treadmill just you know a little vacation from the endless you know, hungry ghost, just a little vacation and just start to say, I, I'm not, I'm sovereign. So I don't have to, you know, I don't have to wear a mask or have your vaccine. That's not sovereignty. That's rebellion. I am a sovereign being. I'm making my, my choices. And yeah, anyway, I don't, I just sort of got off on the track, but I just wanted to say that at we're in the middle of such a, a massive addiction. It's almost like you can measure the increase in self-storage as a way that we are sort of, you know, addicts deflecting our confusion and our misery. And it's a very confusing time. You know, the goals, even if they're shiny, even if you keep going for them, you know, to basically win in a climate disrupted world is not to win. hmm. You know, that's why I that's why I'm doing all the things I doing is that in some way we need to if we whatever we can stop about this destruction of the earth, we need to stop whatever we can mitigate, we need to mitigate whatever we can adapt to we need to adapt to. And in a way, you know, financial independence is a way to be adapted to whatever comes so that you can show up not as one of the people that's just like, you know, like so upset, Right, you can show up and be of use. I love it's, that. That's what I, that's, that's my gig. <laughs> that's your gig. Well, <laughs> That's my gig. And I really welcome you to it. <laughs> I,
1: I think, yes, welcome. Come all, come one, come all. Well, I, I like it. And I'll say this as we wrap up is, you know, I identify so much with your drive to have freedom and flexibility. That's my, you know, what do they call it? The key motivators or whatever. I mean, that power achievement, eh, not so much. A connection, maybe a little, but definitely just having the freedom to do what I want. But what I love about what you're sharing about sovereignty and about flexibility, is it also speaks to power and achievement people. Because if you're at a job that you hate, that you go to every day, and you're climbing a ladder that you don't even like because power and achievement, what if you didn't have to do that and you could do it in a way that brought you joy? I, just, I really love the flipping of the script and making it just turned upside down on its head in order to find a solution that is both meaningful, creative, and actually works. I mean, you've proved it. So I just, I'm so glad that we spent time together today and I would definitely recommend people checking out your books. Can you tell them where to find this book and your other one and where to keep in touch with you if they want to learn more?
0: Okay. So I am going to take one more minute because I want to challenge something you just said. Oh, please. thank you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, it might take more than a minute. It might take two minutes, okay? <laughs> I'll allow so, it. <laughs> <here's your deal. laughs> okay. So, like, you know, your money, your life has been about freeing oneself from the thrall of the consumer co- economy. So, and maybe freeing yourself for something, you know, like, I want to be free to travel. I want to be free to, you know, like freeing yourself from shackles. And but the further I went, I said, this is not all there is, because if you're only in that, I want to get free from the shackles. I want to be free to do what I want to do. You're missing the game because there's two other freedoms. The third freedom is what is freedom for to what am I going to dedicate what my life energy what is worth my doing? Not what do I want to do? That's freedom from or freedom to. It's what's worth my one wild and precious life. Where am I directing myself to? And always it's going to be a contribution. It's going to be something that, you know, some little like, you know, nip and tuck that you did in the whole story of humanity. What's your little thing that you're going to like contribute to? And then if that's not hard enough, the final one is freedom with, I live in a world where every other being, it also desires freedom, but we're here together. How do I enact my freedom such that it benefits the whole, right? It's like if you're in, it's like being in, you know, on a street in New York city, you know, how do I walk? How do I continue going forward with all this bustle around me? And not have the bustle be something that's in the way. The bustle is reality. This is a bustling reality. And so how can I be free with all the other beings who desire and are enacting their freedom? And that is social responsibility. And that really is higher consciousness. So I just want to clarify that, that when I talk about sovereignty, that's a first step, like know who you are. But there's many steps beyond that. Now,
1: (laughs) I love that. Thank you for that. That that was beautiful.
0: (laughs) So, um, yeah, you can find my books um, at your local bookstore. I have Your Money or Your Life, and my second book is called Blessing the Hands That Feed Us: uh, What Eating Closer to Home Taught Me About Food, Community, and Our Place on Earth. Um, Lessons from a Ten Mile Diet, and I have a website, vickirobin where I sometimes blog a lot and sometimes not so much no promises and I have a podcast that I'm doing now that I love called what could possibly go right you can find it on any podcast platform and I interview people who I call cultural scouts people who see far and serve the common good and cultural and social artists people who feel deeply and reveal the future to us so those are my coordinates at the moment
1: and they are excellent ones. Thank you so much for this amazing gift of your time. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for listening. If you've loved a couple episodes of the show, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the Good Pods app. If you liked this episode, you'll also like the one with the young mom doing a no-spend year in order to retire early. That's episode 88. Stay tuned next week when I talk with a US Marine who was trained to use his sixth
0: sense in the battlefield.